Welcome everyone into the Hyper Time, the Hyper Time to Podcast, and we are bringing you part two of Zero Hour, the 1994 DC event, written and illustrated by Dan Jurgens. And to do that with me today is my co-host, my fellow linear man, Alan Muir. Alan, how are you? I'm doing very good. Don't forget Inks by Jerry Ordway. Jerry Ordway. Yeah, I was so surprised to see that, and he. I actually really liked his inks on this book. Yeah, um, there are certain like I started reading um, like less. If, I mean, first off, it feels like it feels like it's been a while since we, since we recorded. God, hasn't it? I feel like these the just twenty twenty one in general, like we've had such a hard time <laughs> recording anything. Oh, yeah, man, it's so, been rough. So when we recorded part one of this, I said, you know what, I'm gonna read. Zero hour issues one and zero, or like the second half, and I went and did that. So I hope I can keep up. <laughs> you should. I mean, even after reading it, I'm like looking over my notes of what happened. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's a lot of time travel nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of crazy color colors though, which, oh, I'm always, which I'm still, which is still perfection. It's so good, so good. I love it. Yeah, so we're going to talk about Zero Hour 1 and 0. Um, I want to talk about Green Lantern number 0, which is kind of like the epilogue of it all. And then I'm just going to touch on a few of the tie-ins. I'm not, I am not going into every single tie-in that kind of crossed over with Zero Hour because yeah. most of it was just kind of not that important, truthfully. I think some of them, I've, I mean, I've already mentioned like what happened in... Flash bringing him to the future with Abracadabra and all that. Um, but oops. Yeah, I just have a few here I wanted to talk about because I think they're kind of cool. So um, and then from there, we'll do random trivia. And then I want to make a note about a hyper time hiatus that we're going to go on for the next few months as I play catch up with my research. So please stay tuned till the end so I can kind of give you a time frame and what to expect. And so, Alan, is there anything you want to talk about before we jump right back into the story? Uh, no, let's jump right in. Okay. So, yeah, uh, just a quick su- uh, summation of everything that's happened up to this point. Time is being eaten away at the very end of time. Uh, Wave Rider discovers that the Crisis on Infinite Earths event is what led to some problems in the timeline, and someone just take advantage of that to basically delete everything that has existed. And so Wave Rider, Matron, and all the heroes are trying to stop that. And after they thought they put an end to it, they were surprised by now the beginning and end of time is now being eaten away. And so that's kind of where we are with Zero Hour number one, as all the heroes are kind of going into the past and into the future to try and stop these entropy rifts from destroying the timeline. And so from there, let's go ahead and get into zero hour number one. So I'm assuming this is where one of the tie-ins is. Um, I think it was Guy Garner, which kind of touches on them, but it still doesn't really explain very well what happens here. So if I remember right, they were certain heroes were sent to the end of time and some were sent to the beginning of time. But there were also some that stayed in the present time and were fighting some of the heroes that or some of the villains that Extant had brought aboard. And suddenly Steel, Batgirl, Supergirl and Guy Garner are not there. They are flying away from some entropy fissure in the current timeline at Coast City. Um, Steel says everything just kind of blinked out and they have to get back to New York. But at least two of them were just there, so I don't really know what happened. 
And so as they head back, more entropy rifts start opening in front of them, and a discharge from one of them blasts them backwards. The rift starts pulling them in, and while Batgirl, Supergirl, and Guy Gardner have cover, Steel is pulled in and is consumed by entropy and is gone. And so the three of them leave in hopes to stop Extant and make sure that Steel's sacrifice was not in vain. Then we see Extant wondering where all these entropy fissures are coming from, and then he is blasted by some green energy by someone saying that it wasn't his doing and to remember who is really in charge. And so we've kind of understood that there's been someone toying around behind Extant's back, but apparently Extant has been following this guy's orders. And now this mystery figure realizes that Extant's trying to take advantage of what's going on and control everything, but this mystery person knows what this real problem is, and he's going to correct it all. Back in the 30th century, we see the end of the Legion of Superheroes as the Time Trapper bids them farewell. Um, again, I've, if you listened to the last episode, I've never really been a huge Legion fan, so I'm not entirely sure what all's happening here as well. Um, Entropy takes the Legion, but Time Trapper mentions that he protected them from the Entropy Fury and allowed them to pass into the Unknown Tomorrow. And then that's when the mysterious figure shows up again. Surprised that the Time Trapper survived his attacks earlier in the event, uh, back at zero hour number four, and along with falling into an entropy fissure. But this time, he'll make sure that he's destroyed. And after that, all the Time Travelers will be gone that had posed a threat to him. Back in the current time, we see Power Girl trying to give birth with the help of Wonder Woman as the midwife. Impulse fades out now that his timeline is gone, and soon the same happens with Booster, and then the entropy rifts open around them all. We see Jay Garrick rushing into the halls of the JSA headquarters with entropy eating everything behind him. He busts into the hall and calls out to the Spectre for help. Now that the Spectre knows Immortal is behind all this devastation, he will finally take action. And with that, Jay Garrick also fades away now that his time is gone. Okay, okay I just have to say this. Okay. <laughs> Turn this this whole part this part in the con in the issue. I forgot I forgot what I was watching, but it was just someone making like someone referenced oh it was it was a Rooster Teeth podcast. And they were talking about Day After Tomorrow. Oh, mm-hmm. And how cold weather just behaves not like doesn't behave the way it should. Like certain like it, it chases people. Like and, in the movie itself? Yeah. It's been a long time since I've seen that movie. It's it's just I, I wish I I wish it could be in your shoes. <laughs> but I realized what like there's a there are certain people that should be gone. Because like they like we're gonna get to a point coming up where a certain uh, cosmic carrier or a certain cosmic character or a torch, a cosmic torch has passed. Mm-hmm. And, sh- and I just thought, why isn't this happening to Wonder Woman, Batman, Superman? Yeah, I feel like that's one of the confusing things about kind of like how this story is supposed to be working. Like if people are disappearing because their past timelines has been <laughs> erased. How come that doesn't seem to be happening to everybody that was involved in that timeline? Yeah, like, timeline, but that you know that time period. I looked at the zero hour t- timeline, and like it, it wasn't in, it wasn't in the best quality. But man, it was very confusing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wish I had like the full blown pullout instead of the kind of like chopped up version that I saw. <laughs> But like it's it's thorough, but it's there's a lot going on on that on that timeline. Yeah, it's, it reminds me of the whole back before Dan DiDio uh, left DC. All every every talk or everything he was being he was involved in, or every like video he was in, he had behind him the five G, or the codenamed five G timeline. Mm-hmm. Which had like uh, Wonder Woman being established as the first superhero, superhero, then stuff with the JSA, and uh, I swear this, 
whoever finds complete timeline like posters and stuff, they're gonna make some. They're gonna make a killing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you're gonna re, you know, establish a timeline, all that, I'm glad that someone put in the work to make sure it's as deep and well explained as possible. Because I feel like that was, you know, we brought I brought it up with Dan Jurgens about how like New Fifty Two, how I know when everything was first starting up, people were asking like, is there a timeline? Is there a way we can kind of see this? And they're, oh yeah, yeah, we got we know everything that's happened, blah 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 blah. And then you start reading it, and you're like, mm, I'm not sure if you really had this all ironed out before you started putting these books out. Yeah, and his. When Dan Jurgens said that he, like how he, he mentioned how he asked if Oliver and Hal were still, like if their friendship was still a thing in the New Fifty Two, mm-hmm. like the way their friendship is de- depicted in this series, it's r- sort of like a crime that hasn't, like we'll get when we get to the crescendo of uh, zero zero hour issue issue zero. I'll I'll wait till we actually get to to that point to, to say more. So. Okay. So with entropy taking everything in the current day, the heroes are running out of options. Ray and Captain Adam put up a field to protect them, while Metron, Superman, Don Troy, Green Lantern, and the Adam all travel to Vanishing Point. They save the Linear Men who are in stasis and realize they need a means to travel time freely. Metron sends Superman Green Lantern to grab the time probe Vril Doc sent out to use its components to rig something up. Here we see the hospital again as Alan Scott, Starman, and his children are at the bedside of Wildcat. We see the passing of the torch, or in this case the cosmic rod, as David takes the mantle of the Starman as Entropy consumes them. And this is one of the things I wanted to ask you about, Alan, because I have not read Starman. Even though I now have DC, you know, Universe Infinite, and I've been talking about how I've needed to read Starman forever, and I still have not added that to my <laughs> to read pile. Jack is the one who becomes Starman, right? Okay, so uh, spoilers, listeners. First, for a very for a very old comic, <laughs> a comic that started almost thirty years ago, and a comic that end that ended twenty years ago. David, he takes over as Starman for the, f- and and the first issue of the Starman series, or though, I think it's the zero issue. David gets killed, and Jack Knight takes up the tor- takes up the torch, and it's like even though the JSA don't really, they're, they're not really seen much, from. Zero Hour to 1999 when they get when the JSA title was launched. They're they're featured prominently in Starman, hmm. and it's like what Stargirl is for the JSA is what st- st- the Starman comic series was. So, so if David died in the first issue, did it feel natural? Like that was kind of how it was planned, or was it? Did it feel like, oh, this is what Dan assumed was going to happen, only for James to turn around and be like, no, I really wanted Jack to be Starman, so they kill him off. Well, David and Ted, they sort of come back, like there's a, um, I'm trying to, like I'm blanking on the circumstance, but there's like a thing like every year, loved one will come back to either a family member or something. And David comes back, and then Ted comes back. So there's, there's more char- like there's character development. Also, have you read the Rebirth uh, Flash series? Some of it. I never read the uh, whole thing, but I think I read bits and pieces of the trades that have come out. Uh, the second arc has to do with uh, the Shade, who is a, who is one of the characters featured in Starman. Don't think I've read that one. It's one of those things where if you don't know the character, it's kind of hard to get into. But it's still great stuff. Like uh, when New 52 launched, 
there was also a shade a shade miniseries that James Robinson worked on. Oh, that's right. I do remember that. So. Okay. Well, I have added Starman to my to my list of stuff to read on DC Universe Infinite, so I will get to it at some point. Now that's on my mind. So. So from there, Accident arrives at the Chamber of the Layman and kills them all. Um, as someone who doesn't know anything about the layman. Okay. <laughs> uh, back in New York, the heroes are trying to save citizens as fissures of entropy pop up all over. In fact, one opens up within Batman and now Batman is gone. Uh, it was kind of a quick way to take Batman out. I was not really expecting that. Extant blast Guy Gardner and then the rest of the heroes, including Batgirl, Green Arrow, Nightwing and more take the fight to Extant. Um, but it's the return of Wave Rider who hits Extant. Um, not sure if it's ever said, um, but my guess is that it's the Matthew Ryder Metron saved was turned into Wave Rider because the previous Wave Rider had been absorbed by Extant, if I remember right. Yeah. So I wasn't sure where this one came from. So I'm, that's what I'm assuming is that <laughs> when they saved him in at a vanishing point that they we're able to turn this one into wave rider. So uh, Ray Palmer tries to leap through the mask of extant to mess with his equilibrium. But now the extant is nothing but chronal energy because of absorbing wave rider. Uh, Palmer is hit with extreme pain. Extant tries using this to turn Palmer into nothingness by reversing his life. But wave rider is able to halt it, uh, leaving Ray as a teenager. As Superman joins the fray, he is blindsided by this mystery man who knocks him out in one punch. And we find out that it's Hal Jordan, Parallax. He brings the remaining heroes into the Zero Hour, where he will rebuild the universe to be, in his own words, correct. Maybe one universe won't even be enough. And everything fades to white as the issue ends. So, when I when I saw that, like when I was well, I was I read the issues on my my uh my my computer. When I saw that Superman gets taken down by uh Parallax, I realized that Jeff Johns, when he did um Green Lantern Rebirth, that Hal Jordan has taken down the world's finest. Mm-hmm. In this, he blindsides Superman, and in GL Rebirth, he just flat out punches Batman. <laughs> yep. And I and I just remembered that that comic is now ruined. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> originally, first first you think, okay, so the the artist is a scumbag, but now you find out <laughs> that uh, might yeah, not just be but, him. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. Well, at least it kind of makes sense why they work together so much, so much, and so well. <sighs> So one thing I want to note here is that uh, Zero Hour, number one, it fades to white. And that was something that was happening throughout like all the monthly books, which because I never read the Zero Hour event at the time, I was always confused by why all these pages <laughs> went to white in the mainline books. And so it's, it's kind of cool to, once I finally read Zero Hour, to understand like, oh, okay, this was the end. That was the end of everything before like the whole universe would eventually uh, restart in uh, what we'll see in the next issue. Yeah. Um, the last three panels mm -hmm. of word balloons, the way it fades out is excellent. Mm -hmm. And while I did not read these, the other, the time books, it makes sense though, because the crisis, every all the books that were that were tied in had um, at the if there was if it was like nothing to do with with crisis at the very least there would be like a red sky. Yep. Like the Swamp Thing issue where him and John Constantine are they're just looking up at the red sky, and Batman runs up and says, like along the lines of, "Get indoors, there's a crisis." <laughs> I I can't guarantee that's exactly what he says. But he he said something to that to that degree, and I think it's I think it was when I'm pretty sure it's when Alan Moore was was writing the book. So yeah, I feel like that's right. I should go back and reread Alan Moore's run on that. I really liked it, even though there were definitely some 
kind of weird messed up parts in it <laughs> but it's still kind of like the swamp thing that i always go back to have you read uh scott snyder's swamp thing um i think i read i think i read up through the crossover with animal man i don't think i read anything after that snyder obviously doesn't finish the run on the like before the book was canceled mm-hmm. uh charles soul uh, ended up writing or he ended up finishing that book but yeah it just says a lot when a lot of people want to come in and like work, work write something mm-hmm. and then a guy who i mean now he was he's a he's a bona fide superstar but 10 years ago scott snyder wasn't the, the biggest name nope scott snyder is like the new jeff johns like what Jeff Johns kind of did for DC, you know, back in the early 2000s. I feel like that's kind of what Scott Snyder was like after his Batman run uh, with the Black Mirror and all that. And then yeah. just kind of snowballed from there into, you know, Swamp Thing and his time with Superman and Metal and all that. Just And Justice League. Justice League. He just kind of took the reins. I just keep muting myself to cough. I had my COVID shot on Thursday and it messed me up yesterday and I've kind of got this lingering cough from it today. So, so we move on to zero hour number zero, the final issue of the event. Um, We see Hal Jordan explaining himself, how he never needed anything. And the one time that he did, it was denied to him. And he's referring to the events of Green Lantern, like, 48 through 50. So as Green Lantern, he didn't have enough power to fix Coast City after its destruction. And now as Parallax, he has the power to fix everything. He feels their views were too small. He has the power to change everything for the better, but the heroes obviously don't like this. Some don't, at least. The ones not from this timeline feels like this gives them a chance to keep living. And Parallax reinforces that he can give them their worlds back too. So he explains how after he fought Guy Gardner, which was in Guy Gardner warrior 21 coast city wasn't enough. He was able to focus his energies to fade into the time stream. And there he noticed cracks in the time stream caused by the fight with the anti-monitor in the original crisis. He was able to absorb some of those energies and then went to the end of time where entropy waits. He ended up tightening the loop between the beginning and end of time, which caused the entropy to start destroying everything in between. So Guy brings up the Green Lantern that died in the future, but Howler remarks that he saved that version of himself prior to being destroyed and put him back where he originally came from, thus to prevent him as Parallax being destroyed as well. Oh, uh, can I just mention the thing I put in the chat? (laughs) So, so like, I just, I just caught like screen screen capped uh, the like parallax's explanation of that, and I just put in all caps time remnants. (laughs) Gotta love a good time travel story. Just (laughs) so at vanishing point. Uh, Wave Rider has gathered some of the heroes he deems important to fix everything, though some of them doubt their importance. They decide they need to do something, and that's recreate the universe on their terms, not his. Hal is, at this point, just kind of toying with creating this new reality. Um, he brings up saving the Green Lantern Corps. He has He's talking about having multiple Earths, including one where the JSA can stay young, uh, where Batgirl has a Gotham. Alpha Centurion has a metropolis, all of this. But Wave Rider and the heroes intervene and blast Parallax from behind. The fight begins and Hal defends himself. Extant chimes in saying Alpha Centurion and Batgirl should help Parallax if they want a world to live in. Guy Gardner takes the fight to Extant as Parallax takes on the other heroes. That is until him and Extant, Extant are shackled by the Spectre. The fight continues as they all try to talk each other down into doing what they feel is the right thing. And wave rider comes up with the plan for heroes like captain Adam, 
the Ray, Green Lantern, and Don Troy to absorb the plasma energy universe that Parallax is creating around them. Now, Oliver is able to talk some sense into Batgirl. It's not Hal's choice to make what should stay and what should go. He's not a god, and he's ashamed that absolute power can even corrupt someone like Hal. And this is kind of where you start seeing like their old friendship bleeding through and Ollie's kind of becoming disappointed in the person that Hal's become with the power he absorbed from the uh, power battery back on Oa. So Green Lantern, Kyle Rayner, joins in the fight to help Spectre against Parallax. And Parallax is now weakened after fighting with Spectre and Kyle now has a chance. Wave Rider concludes his plan. The absorbed energies will then be shot through Wave Rider. He'll then funnel it and channel it into Damage, who will absorb the entirety of the energy. Parallax sees what's happening and tries to stop him until Batgirl hits him in the head with a battering. Parallax breaks free from Green Lantern, and as Damage powers up, Parallax prepares to kill him. But as he fires, Batgirl leaps in the way and takes the killing blow, and Oliver can't believe it and decides he can't sit back any longer from fighting his old friend. Green Lantern jumps in from behind, sensing Parallax's power is almost gone as Oliver pulls out and I put an error, but that's supposed to be an arrow and hones in, in on Parallax and you kind of get this nice little, it's like what four panels and they're both basically just staring at each other and Ollie looks at Hal and Hal, Ollie, and the, you know they just kind of acknowledge each other and Ollie fires his arrow just as Green Lantern is able to grab him but the arrow hits Parallax square in his chest as Spectre finishes everything off by pumping more power into damage and when damage can't contain it anymore he lets it out and he does something he did not think he was going to be able to do and that's create a new Big Bang so from there we see a new universe is born Everything is going very, very quickly. It's all in fast forward. Uh, billions of years are passing in an instant as Leary Lee from the Linear Men watches on from Vanishing Point. Wave Rider and the other heroes are watching everything come together kind of in their own little protective bubble that Wave Rider was able to concoct a split second. Uh, they are existing currently within the anomalies that started it all. The only ones not there are Parallax and Green Lantern, both of whom were too distant when Wave Rider tried to grab them during the split seconds after the big bang occurred. And so we see just kind of time quickly pass uh, dinosaurs roam the earth and Batgirl fades from the arms of Oliver. Alpha Centurion disappears as well as alternate timelines are being erased. We see Atlantis and Tritonis. I don't know if I pronounced that right. Tritonis. I don't know. Become cities underwater and the temple of one of earth's mightiest heroes in Shazam. More and more years pass, and Wave Rider has to insert each hero into the perfect moment in time to avoid a loop being created and reliving this exact same event repeatedly ad nauseum. This is like all the stuff that was confusing me as I was reading. I'm like, okay, I'm just going to have to <laughs> go to terms that I don't understand time travel stuff entirely. Uh, they come to the point at the end of Zero Hour number one, right before everything disappears. This is where they will re-enter the time stream, but Extant cuts out early. Not really sure what happens to him at this point. I don't know if he really shows up again until the JSA book that comes out later during the John's run or not. I don't know. Some time travel lingo going on here about pulling in the final moments of Green Lantern and Parallax and inserting them here as well and preventing Hal from wiping out the last moments of time. Um, but something fails and they're all pulled out into the current time. Guy Gardner is now missing his armor and has his warrior Voldarian look. All the heroes that perished from all those entropy waves are back, including Batman. Uh, Wave Rider tries to explain to the heroes that weren't there about what Parallax did and how they recreated reality instead of letting him recreating it by just having it happen naturally. Um, it fell in place just like it did prior, but they were able to stop Parallax and Extent prior to them wiping out everything, which left Wave Rider and the other heroes as the only anomalies in that time. Uh, and then when they re-entered the time stream, that effectively fused everything together and closed the loop, which saved the timeline. 
And so all those anomalies that existed that caused this whole problem in the first place are now gone. Those who died in the fissures will be alive and only remember a flashing light, while others who died outside of the time stream will remain dead like Green Lantern. But not really, and we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, Power Girl shows that not everything was doom and gloom, and she was able to finally give birth to her baby boy, which I believe will be forgotten or something killed. I can't remember what happens to her kid in a couple years after that. Oliver still isn't happy. He walks off and breaks his bow as all he can do is remember Hal and what they used to be. And then we see uh, Wave Rider and the Linear Men watch on to discover any new mysteries that may arise. And we see the end of time again with the Time Trapper. But as it zooms in, we see a lock of hair flow out from the hood, indicating that the new Time Trapper is a woman. And that is the end of the Zero Hour event. Thoughts on that, Alan? Uh, Yeah. So... Oliver having to, like with Oliver having to kill, or Ollie having to kill Hal, while it's not the best scenario. Okay, so with with New 52, and Dan Jerkins talked about this when you interviewed him, talking about if Green Arrow and Hal, their friendship, was still a thing in New 52. And since it wasn't uh, carried over, it sort of made like the ability to do something like this close to impossible to do again because like Hal and Ollie have a history like had a rich hit uh, prior to this comic they had a rich history mainly through the hard traveling heroes oh yeah and it's just one of those things that while I'm sure people didn't like it and so I'm I'm sure some people will still hate it it it's just one of those things where it was a perfect time to pull the trigger on something like this because you can take you can capitalize on having an end on this the story of Oliver and Hal. But then as we find out some ten years later, things change. I feel like people remember Hal as a villain mainly because of like two events and that was the time he became Parallax, and then the Zero Hour. Because shortly after this, he redeems himself in Final Night. But Parallax has kind of established himself as a huge threat just between those two instances. You know, destroying the entire <laughs> Green Lantern Corps and then trying to rewrite time. And so it was nice to kind of have it come back around to the like friendships he had at the end of zero hour, especially with Ollie, you know, him and Ollie always seemed to be the, you know, it. it I feel like people always think of world's finest. And it's Batman, Superman, but like right after that, I feel like it's always Ollie and Hal. And so just like really see that shine here and not necessarily in the most positive light at the very end. It was kind of cool to see, um, even though, they kind of turn that around a few years after that. Um, Hal redeems himself. He becomes a specter. He basically revives Ollie when he dies. Um, it's it's kind of cool to see things go south for them really hard. And then to see that friendship kind of build back up again. Even though New 52 comes around and basically says, nope, let's start from scratch. And I... It's one of the things I hate about New 52 is that you have such a rich history of all these characters and, you know, their friendships and the problems they have with one another. And then you take all that away to start start completely over. And it's just it was a real bummer having to start from <laughs> start from nothing again. Yeah, um, I'm not I'm not going to I'm not going to say more, but I'm just going to say. Uh, do you, you ever read the run of Green Lantern after John's left in New 52? Trying to think of where I think I did. Is that where Venditti took took over or Yes. And, yeah. And I'm I'm talking about a specific a specific specific part of the run. The duster. Oh, the whole renegade phase. Yeah. Oh man. I still have scars from that. Yeah. 
Well, speaking of Green Lantern, uh, did you read Green Lantern Zero? Uh, I cannot find. I wasn't able to find it on the DC Universe Infinite app. Okay. It. If you can find it, I think you should probably read it. It's. It was like Kyle and Hal's like first real interaction together, so it was kind of cool. Um, but it also explains where they disappeared to at the end of Zero Hour Number Zero. Um, so yeah, I added Green Lantern in here to talk about just because it kind of is the true ending of Zero Hour, and it does focus on what happened with Kyle and Parallax, um, and it just shows that their fight continues, and Parallax seems to have regained some sort of their um, some sort of his power again. And so as they kind of like bounce out of time, they arrive on Oa where Hal notes that Wave Rider ended up saving everybody, essentially. Um, so Hal linked with Wave Rider in a way to form a vortex that pulled him to Oa, but it also brought Kyle. I'm, I put Green Lantern, but I'm just going to put Kyle because it's easier. Uh, so now they're both on Oa and they're battling among like all the dead guardians and old friends that Hal used to have there. Um, Hal tries to pull up some of the energy from the planet, but is unable to because he doesn't have a conduit of any sort. So he has no ring, no battery. Um, but Kyle is able to get some hits in leaving Hal in the dust. Hal looks over and see Kilowog's skull and tries to come to terms with what he has done and how nobody should have gotten in the way. And if he's not able to fix everything like he was able to do, you know, like save the people he let down Coast City, he won't ever be a hero again, just a villain. And so this is kind of where Kyle and Hal have a heart to heart. Uh, Kyle so understands what Hal is going through because he thought the whole Green Lantern thing was going to be fun being a superhero. But, you know, quickly after becoming Green Lantern, his girlfriend Alex was murdered and so he knows some of the burden that Hal has. He explains how he ended up getting the ring after Hal's onslaught on Oa and a little of what happened prior to being pulled into the Zero Hour event. And so Hal brings up how being Green Lantern again could make his life better again, but he would be different this time. Kyle hesitantly takes off his ring and gives it back to Hal, which makes him the classic Green Lantern again. And Kyle says he just got through dumb luck. Hal was the one who was actually chosen. So this is how it should be. That is until Hal starts talking about uh, siphoning the energy from the planet using the ring. Um, and then once he's done that, he's going to go back to fixing things again. And Kyle's like, no, 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 no. We've just finished going down this road. We can't do this again. But Hal is adamant that this is the right course of action. He thinks he can restore everything. But Kyle's trying to tell him you can't pretend it didn't happen. And so at this point, Hal's just getting pissed that Kyle's, you know, not just giving in and letting Hal do what he wants to do. And so Hal uses the ring and pushes him back with a giant green hand. Kyle grabs Kilowog's skull and throws it at Hal, but Hal destroys it before blasting the ground underneath Kyle's feet as he tries to run. The hole leads to the crypt of former dead Green Lanterns, and Kyle hides before Hal follows him down. Kyle is able to push a glass case with a Green Lantern in it on top of Hal, long enough for him to grab the ring back. Now it's time for Green Lantern versus Parallax again, but Parallax has regained his power. They start fighting it out, and Hal seems to have the upper hand, and he probably should, considering how much power he actually has. And then Hal brings up a uh, construct of Alex, uh, Kyle's girlfriend who was folded up in a refrigerator and he can he sits there and talks to Kyle saying how he can bring her back uh, you know and he's using Alex to actually talk to Kyle saying about Hal's doing the right thing and all this kind of manipulating him and Kyle takes a moment with this construct before making it disappear and Hal wonders why Kyle gave up potential happiness it's because he understands that we don't always get what we want. Kyle decides to tap into the planet's source of energy and try to overload it. And he thinks if he can destroy Oa, Hal won't have that power to ever tap into. Hal tries to stop him, but it doesn't work. Oa explodes in a brilliant light of green. And emerging from it is only one man. A man who has a reputation to uphold and a legacy to keep up. But on his own terms, we see Kyle Rayner darting off from the explosion 
trying to find his way back home. And so that is kind of where I consider the true end of Zero Hour. Because as far as I know, Hal doesn't really show up again until I think it's like Green Lantern 63, 64. And he shows back up on Earth at Kyle's doorstep and they go at it one more time. And the Justice League comes in and everything. And then after that, I don't know if he shows up again until final night. And so the next part, I do have some of the tie-ins here. Um, so I think kind of everyone who's read comics understands that anytime you do some sort of event, they try and cross that event over with all the mainline books and it's used as a way to boost sales typically, um, or launch new books or end series, whatever. And so with zero hour, they tried to relaunch their books in general. Um, and so an easy way to do that was to give all books an issue zero, And so this was supposed to be like the issue to truly define a character, to bring in new readers, um, tell who these characters are, what they do, um, you know, why they do what they do, set up future stories, whatever. It's basically to reintroduce the character to any new readers, which I think is a great idea. Juergens felt that jumping into comics can be a little intimidating and too often books were always doing long form stories and who wants to jump into issue five of an eight issue arc. And so with zero hour and one of his original proposals, when this whole thing started was to get new fans into the DC universe. So he sent out a memo to writers and editors saying that they were going to do a zero issue for the respective book, which should be a perfect jumping on point for new readers. And he says, and this is a quote from, I think it was wizard magazine. This should be the one story you do where you couldn't erase the character's name at the top of the page and substitute a different one. Which, you know, I think is a pretty good way to (laughs) go about doing that. And so I have a few of the tie-ins here I wanted to talk about. Were there any that you had read that you want to talk about, Alan? I'm not going to lie. I didn't read any because... Like I said, they, they, they don't really influence too much. It's just yeah. kind of so, you know. So these were the ones I wanted to bring up just because I thought they were kind of cool. So one was Green Lantern 55. And this is kind of where it finishes up the storyline where Major Force kills Kyle's girlfriend, Alex. But the part worth mentioning is that this is where Kyle first meets Alan Scott. And at this point, Kyle is, you know distraught he just lost his girlfriend now there's this strange dude showing up in his apartment and you know he's just about gets into it with alan um but alan is you know alan scott basically goes through like who the green lanterns are who the core are um basically everything that happened with hal and all that and he's letting him know that he tells him exactly who hal jordan is and that Kyle will more than likely have to join the fight against him in the future. And so this is kind of like right on the fringes of the beginning part of Zero Hour. Uh, Batman 511. This is right out of Zero Hour number four. Batman and Robin meet up with the uninjured Batgirl from the alternate timeline. Where Joker murdered her father and abducted her during the killing joke scenario. And then lots of weird stuff like Gotham's converging. Batgirl apparently has a relationship with Batman in that timeline. Um, And so with all that kind of happening, Batman goes to Metropolis to visit Superman. And that leads into Superman, Man of Steel 37. Um, He note Batman meets up with Superman in Metropolis. And he notes that something is happening, causing people from the past to show up. But at the same time, seems to be unaware of not only why Superman has long hair, but that his back was never broken. And so you find out that this is not the same Batman from the Batman 511. Uh, so throughout this issue, Superman's going around Metropolis with Batman and meets up with multiple Batman, such as, you know, the dark Knight returns Batman from Frank Miller or the original classic 39 Batman as well. And then at the very end of that, he meets up with the like present day Batman and so, you know, John, I never know how to pronounce his name. John Bogdanov kind of shows his talent of being able to illustrate like all these different versions of Batman and pulls off each look pretty damn well. That's something I've always appreciated from, from that artist. So 
Uh, Superman 93 is one of my personal favorites from it. And this is the one where the Kents are visited by Jor-El and Lara. And Superman joins the party and finds out that uh, his birth parents have come from a different timeline where Krypton didn't explode. And now his parents are there with the timelines converging to bring him home. And he's torn. Does he stay with his parents who raised him or go back with his parents that saved his life? Um, I'm not going to spoil anything there, but it's pretty yeah, cool. When I saw it, when I opened the, when I checked the doc and looked, the, saw this one, this may be the one I actually, I'm going to probably may go back and read. I think I you should. I, I really like that one. I read, I remember reading that one several times growing up just because I kind of liked the whole scenario happening. Uh, the next one as well, because it's actually, I really like that, that I, that concept. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the next one is Robin number 10. And so if you remember in zero hour, number four, there's the scene where, you know, Batman and Robin meet up with Batgirl, but overlooking all of them was this other Robin. And so here is where Tim Drake meets up with that Robin, who is a younger Dick Grayson and they work a case together. And so basically throughout this entire time, it shows Dick, who at this point is still an amateur, making Tim feel inadequate in areas such as, you know, what he's able to perform move wise and confidence. And so it's just this kind of like nice way to show how Tim works as Robin, as opposed to how Dick worked as Robin um, and just how different <laughs> Robins they really are. Um, it, was, it was really cool. Really cool saying that. Um, I tried reading Hawkman 13, but I was clearly jumping in the middle of something and didn't really understand what all was going on. Uh, Hawkman hears the news of time distortions happening, um, one of which involves another Hawkman. And so fearing that the Hawk God is responsible, he flies off to fight it. Um, the Golden Age Hawks pulled out by Wave Rider jump in to aid him, um, which is where they merge together. So if you want to find out the whole Hawkman part of Zero Hour, Hawkman 13 is where you'll read that at. Uh, Justice League of America 92, Justice League Task Force 16, and Justice League International 68. So I had, every time I jump through like the dollar bins, I always see this character come up, Triumph. And I never really understood where this character was. This is where <laughs> Triumph exists from. So during the Justice League's first case, a hero named Triumph is transported into the future where his existence has been written out. These three stories are him basically trying to get answers as to what happened, butting heads with all these other heroes who don't know who this man is, and stopping this this alien invasion that came through time with him. Um, I believe this was all written by Christopher Priest as well. It was really good. And I know Triumph eventually gets his own like solo book or something, or maybe just a mini series. I think he comes back another time too, as like a villain or something. I don't, I don't know, but it, it made me want to go find those other stuff with him. And I thought it was pretty cool. And then I think we mentioned this in the previous episode, uh, booster gold number zero, which was an issue that was done 14 years later. So it's kind of a cheat to include here. Uh, but during the Johns and Jurgens run booster is traveling through the time stream with a number of blue beetles. And as they do so, they run into extent and parallax chatting. Uh, this was set up just after the JSA were taken care of by extent and they kind of fight a little bit. <laughs> and then as they try to escape extent reroutes them to the 25th century, which is the day booster through the football game that eventually spiraled into him becoming booster. Um, just kind of funny little take on them running into Extant and Parallax, you know, in a way I was not expecting in that in that run. But that is kind of all that zero hour stuff. Um, from there, we will go into random trivia, which I have a, quite a few things here. And again, a lot of this might be stuff I've already mentioned. It's stuff that was probably brought up in the Dan Jurgens interview. But in case you didn't listen to that, I figured I'd bring it up here as well. And so kind of like you had mentioned before, Alan, one of the criticisms, one of the criticisms with this book was regarding the Justice Society of America. So although the books were doing well sales-wise prior to Zero Hour, the book still saw cancellation. Um, however, according to Jurgens, this was a decision made prior to him starting Zero Hour. To him, this was because DC saw their existence as problematic with their timeline 
and DC was concerned about the image. And so they took the book away until they could figure out for a, a way for them to work. So yeah, it basically came down to the, Hey, there are these people from the thirties who are, you know, only 20 years older, 60 years later, you know? And so they were trying to figure all that out before they decided to keep working with them. Although there were clear problems with renumbering each series and starting back at number one, such as confusing readers with the same concurrent numbering system, which here I put new 52 when uh, Jurgens did want the books across the board to be number one post zero hour, but it wasn't his call and the book stayed on course. He feels the zero out the zero issues were a good alternative um, as opposed to what I feel is the Marvel take on just restarting a series like every two years, which as someone who's wanted to get into Marvel stuff is very confusing. <laughs> as with most events, companies want that like big moment where heroes die uh, for zero hour. Ray Palmer, the Adam was being poised to die by higher ups in the company. However, Dan Jurgens didn't really like the idea of killing Ray and working with him. Uh, and worked with them to try and find a way to keep him alive. And so what they decided to do instead was to have him de-aged, and Jurgens would later follow up um, with his Teen Titans run a couple years later and include Ray Palmer in that series as well. Which, you know, during the Dan Jurgens interview, he mentioned that DC kind of had like a bullseye on Ray Palmer during that time. I wonder if that's what carried over into like Identity Crisis. Because I, although, oh, like, oh yeah, because of the uh, gene, yeah. So, like, you know, Gene does the whole thing, and then he basically fades away and like disappears for a while. I wonder if all of that is just like carryover from DC just apparently hating the character back in the nineties. I mean, what about what happened with to uh, Ryan Choi? What did happen with Ryan Choi? Oh. Uh, so, again, not, a lot of a lot of times on podcasts, I kind of say the wrong. The, oh my god, I think I remember. Person. Yeah, he got he got killed by uh, Deathstroke. That's right. Wasn't that Robinson, or was that that was around like the time of Cry for Justice or something, wasn't it? It was Did around we... the time that Siege ended. God, I can see the panel in my head. I'm trying to think of who wrote it. He, um. Oh my god. Yeah, so Deathstroke or someone puts a head out on Ryan Troy, Deathstroke collects and kills him and puts him in a shoebox and hides him away. God, I forgot all about that. Oh my god, Ryan (laughs) Troy. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure that uh, Big uh, no, was it Giganta who he who, was, who Ryan Cho was dating? Yeah, during Gale Simone's run. Yeah, I think she. I'm pretty sure she she got revenge on Ryan's behalf. Oh, I'll have to find that. Oh my God, I've. Mm, God, I remember that. <laughs> I feel like that was during a time where DC was just like not, not, not doing good. good. Yeah, <laughs> not stuff. caring at all. Oh man. God, I'm, I'm, I'm like pissed now. <laughs> Screwed my Ryan Choi. Damn DC. Zero Hour did the brilliant idea of counting down their issue numbers from four to zero. Um, that was not Dan Jurgens who came up with the idea. He thinks it was decision by marketing. Um, I, I thought that was a cool idea. Something just something different going from you know going down as opposed to up. Um, so despite Parallax being like the villain in the story, Ron Mars didn't know Parallax was going to be in Zero Hour until well into the story's conception. Apparently someone mentioned it to him in casual conversation in the office and it took him by surprise. So his editor thought that he had told him at some point, but must have forgotten. And so after that, he found out the details of Zero Hour. So he quickly worked up Green Lantern number zero. You know, Zero Hour all came out within a month. You know, it was all released on a weekly basis in September of 1994, um, which is absolutely insane, you know, considering how often those event books get delayed and for Jurgens and the team to get it all out in essentially five weeks was insane. 
And even more insane is to have Ron Mars find out in the middle of that, <laughs> of what was happening, and then quickly work up an issue to that kind of ties everything together at the very end. I think is crazy, crazy talk right there. And so one of the other things that Jurgens wanted to address was the use of time travel. Um, after Crisis on Infinite Earths, DC wanted time travel to be harder, limiting it to only three ways with each possibility, only being conceivable once per character. Jurgens felt that this was too restrictive, especially since he loves time travel stories, you know, Booster Gold and Wave Rider and the Linear Men, for example. So he wanted to do away with those limitations, but still make it somewhat difficult. So not every jabroni could do it. Um, Zero Hour was obviously going to change up the timeline, so they decided to make it clear by the end of it. Um, so this is that timeline that we've noted um, that outlined everything that Casey Carlson and Dan Jurgens had pieced together um, with others like Bob Greenberger um, throughout the creation of Zero Hour. I do have a copy of the timeline that I will post on the site, vgu.tv. Um, so please go check that out when this episode drops. Um, just kind of see exactly how far they went with that timeline. Because, yeah, I think if you're going to do something this big and widespread, that that's kind of how much effort needs to go into stuff like that. And then the last one I have here is that uh, there were certain ideas that Dan Jurgens wanted to try and implement in Zero Hour, but just couldn't because of other creatives at play. Uh, so for one thing, um, Jurgens wanted Zero Hour to end with two Earths again, Earth 1 and Earth 2. And this would result in the mainline DC Universe, but then have the Justice Society back on Earth 2 within the timeline of 1945 through 1965. For whatever reason... That wasn't what DC Comics wanted to do with the characters. And so Dan had to do what he did in Zero Hour. Um, but he, he wanted to make people aware because he kind of toyed with Hal's dialogue there at the end of Zero Hour number one about bringing back two Earths or whatever. Um, kind of wish that's what they ended up doing. But at the same time, we got a pretty good Justice Society story you know, like five years later after that. So I guess I can't complain too much, but, but that is it. That's all I have for zero hour. So as I noted, um, this is kind of the last episode of hyper time for a while. Um, the last few months have been quite messy for <laughs> both my uh, free time and, you know, just being able to record podcasts and everything. And so I wanted to take a few months out so I could try and catch up. I knew there was going to be at you know some point in the future where this was going to happen. And this felt like the perfect stopping point. Um, I already have one episode basically done. I have another episode mostly done. Um, and I've kind of started toying with a few of the other ones. I don't know if you've seen the new kind of like plan for the future, Alan. Yeah. Yeah, I did. And I texted my, the owner of my, my local comic shop. Like, do you have this, <laughs> this book and this book response? Unfortunately, no, they're, they are both out of, they're both out of print. Like, <laughs> damn it. Yeah, so as of right now, we will be on hiatus until the first Wednesday in September, which is September 8th, and I don't know if I want to mention what that one is, because it's a story that most people do not like, but I thought it's an interesting one to start start with. Um, yes, yes, folks, we're doing it. We're doing Ultimatum. <laughs> no, I, I wouldn't punish anyone. Oh, Alan, you just sent me that picture. I see it. <laughs> man god we're going to do an episode on that just so i can vent about the board treatment of ryan Choi. okay <laughs> but yeah um so i think that's kind of how hyper time will work for as long as i can do a hyper time i think we will do from september to the end of april and then we'll go on hiatus so i can play catch up again <laughs> Um, so yeah, some of the stuff that we plan on talking about in the next kind of 
season, I guess we can call it. Um, I want to go over Electric Superman arc. I want to talk about you know the introduction of Kid Flash. I want to go over the Heroes Initiative, you know, helping creators in need, that kind of stuff, and more. I'm not going to drop everything here, but basically, I have all that planned out. It's just a matter of actually going through and researching it now. Um, but I also, since I am paying Buzzsprout every month to kind of hold on to stuff, I do want to keep putting out episodes here and there during this hiatus. So it won't be like thoroughly researched or anything, but it might be just kind of like our bonus episodes where we're like, hey, we want to talk about, I don't know, what's happening on Flash or something. I, you know, I don't know. I probably won't be able to contribute to that, but you know, Alan, if there's something you just really want to start talking about, you can, or if there's like a, Oh, Hey, uh, we're going to talk about crossovers with video game characters or something like that. You know, something that I'm not sure I can really find a whole lot of information about, but I still think would be kind of fun to talk about. So just kind of stuff like that. I do plan on dropping stuff here and there. Um, if I can get interviews, that aren't going to be tied down to any other episodes. I would like to do that as well. Uh, we'll just kind of see, see how the highest goes. Maybe I won't put out anything. I don't really know, but either way, keep subscribed and hopefully you'll hear from us and hopefully we will be able to continue to entertain you. If you find us entertaining <laughs> at the very least. Alan, is there anything you want to add before I go into our normal outro here? Uh, yeah, um, keep just pay, keep just stay tuned with VGA.TV. We got some stuff we're planning that I'm very excited for. Yeah, and this hi- this little hiatus here will definitely help get some of that stuff put together. <laughs> and mainly, you know what I I can't guarantee it, but if if a JSA book if a JSA series doesn't get announced for in Infinite Frontier, like in the next issue or something. You better expect to be hearing me and Josh talking about it. <laughs> yeah, I've been waiting for them to drop that and just you going crazy in the chat about them finally doing so some more I, justice. <laughs> uh, the, just to go back to the the Deathstroke stuff, it was uh, Deathstroke's Dirty Deeds, the contract on the Adam Ryan Troy. I, I can't find who wrote it, which... If I was the writer, I wouldn't want anyone to know who did it either. <laughs> Death of Ryan Choi. Who did this? Let's see. He was killed off in a Titans comic. I don't know. You know what? I think this will be one of our special episodes during the hiatus. I I want to talk about the death of Ryan Choi. (laughs) Just vent about DC's like need to kill all these characters around this time. (laughs) so frustrating so yeah with that please rate review on wherever you listen to your podcasts um share this podcast with any friends forums twitter whatever if you know people who like comics please share this um that's the way this podcast will grow and we always appreciate being heard by more people uh don't forget to follow hypertime the podcast on twitter at hypertime pod Um, If you have questions or topic suggestions, please let me know. I can always push something if I have to, um, or maybe a bonus episode. And just, I like to hear from people. Uh, So reach out to us there. Um, If you prefer to email us, you can do that at hypertime, the number two podcast at gmail.com. I'm still getting spam from whoever has used that email to send me a lot of pointless stuff. I will never, ever open. So whoever's done that, I still hate you. Um, If you like video games, we do that as well. Um, You can check that stuff out at VGU.TV. We also have a Twitter at VGU underscore TV that you can find out stuff from us there as well. Um, If you want more video game podcasts, we have Players Club Podcast and Win, which is the week in news. And we also have our YouTube channel as well where we are putting stuff out there pretty frequently. So please check that out and subscribe. Uh, Give us all those likes. Give us your love. We love your love. 
And then if you want to follow me on Twitter, I am at J-M-I-L-L-E-99. Alan, where all would you like to promote? Uh, they can Listeners can find me on Twitter at TheAlanMuir. That's T-H-E-A-L-A-N-M-U-I-R. And is it time for... Alan's Tweet of the Bi-Week. Yeah, uh, this is from three days ago. I need to start using the word podunk more often. <laughs> I do like the word podunk. Why? Do you, what made you suddenly want to use the word podunk again? Okay, so so, so recently certain words have just been fl- just appearing in my brain. And I just, I don't know why or like why it, why it happens. But I just, I think it's just like nudge, nudge. You should, you should uh, think about the, using these words, man. <laughs> You know, like a word, a word dealer. Does it, is it like a word that you just like to hear the sound of? Yeah. There's a word I will say is probably my favorite word and it's buttermilk. I don't know what it is about that word. I think it's just the, I think it's milk, like the ilk. There's, you know, when uh, Jeff Gershman would all used to do like the, what is it? Like the shave butter? Just like the way he said it, I'm like, God, Jeff, I just want to hear you say this on repeat over and over again. Shave butter. I love it. I love the word butter. I love the word milk put together in its perfection. <laughs> and so with that, I will bid you all adieu. We will see you further down the hyper time, even if it's much, much further. But hopefully we will see you there. Until then, take care. And goodbye. This has been a VGU.TV production. For all of the hottest hot takes and other opinions on video games, music, and a lot more, tune in to VGU.TV.